Live from New York, it's Ask an Engineer. Hey, everybody, and welcome to yet another Wednesday. We waft around the week. Time for Wednesday again. Hump day. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we got an exciting show for you tonight. It's me, Lady Ada, the engineer. We're broadcasting live from our downtown Manhattan factory, where we do our manufacturing, our testing, our kitting, our coding, our shipping, our videoing, and more. With me, Mr. Lady Ada on camera control. And uh, we've got like a jam-packed show, about one plus hours of all the latest videos, news, content, and more in the world of makers, hackers, engineers, etc. Why don't we That's kick right. it off? Tell them the code. Tell them what's on tonight's show. We've got a big show tonight. Tonight, the code is time of flight. I, I put the little different uh, caps so you can see, like a capital O, capital T, capital F. Yes. You don't need to do any of that, but the code is time of flight, 10% off a native fruit store, all the way up until uh, probably midnight because... Uh, we're gonna watch the last um, "What If" and then go to bed, but it, it, the code will be up until midnight. Yeah. Let's talk about some of our Adafruit live shows, including Show and Tell. JP hosted it. Um, time travel. Look around the world, of makers, hackers, artists, and engineers. Yep. Help wanted. Um, nothing on the jobs board tonight, but. Um, I have a little job announcement that we have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're looking to hire. Yeah. Main York City factory footage. 3D printing. IMPI. New products. Top secret. We're going to answer your questions. We do that over in Discord throughout the show. Adafruit.it slash Discord. Save the good ones to the end. All 31,000 people, thank you for being part of the community over there. All that and more on, you guessed it, Ask an Engineer. Yay! Okay, so um, let's go to uh, the code. Remember, time of flight, that's code. And Lady Ada, when people shop on our site, they can get free stuff. They do. What uh, is the free stuff? $99 or more, you get a free Permaproto half-size PCB. It's great for taking your project of a breadboard and making them permanent, nice and solid. I loved boards like this when I was in school. I used them constantly, and so that's why we give them away. 149 or more, you'll get a free STEM QT board. We actually moved a couple around. Uh, there were a few that were out of stock, and we're not sure when we're gonna get them, so we swapped them out for ones that we do have in stock. Um, every time you order, you'll get a different one if you have an account, otherwise you'll kinda get a random one. So make an account, so it's worth it. That way we can track which ones we've sent you. 199 or more, you get free UPS ground shipping in the continental United States. Uh, we do not have the Circuit Playground Express freebie right now because we actually ran out, which is pretty cool. But yeah. we have more coming um, in the next month or so. I don't know if you heard, but there is a shipping and silicon shortage. So there's that. Yeah, not only that, um, I guess a little bit of news. Um, we heard from some of uh, our factory partners in China that they can only operate three days a week and then four days a week they're closed because they ran out of electricity. Yeah, and there's the there's uh, electricity. It says like um, electricity shortage. Rationing. Yeah, it's unclear. It's not a shortage. It's rationing. It, yeah. Right? There's there's electricity. It's just not. Yeah. It's not for them. It's a little unclear all the details yet, but the price of coal went up. There's also a lot of things going around in the world where we just don't have a lot of uh, transparency into. There yeah. was some shipping things uh, around the world that we just ran into. So basically, it's like get your bingo cards out because there's going to be another crazy mm. uh, yeah. per week, per day, per month for a little bit longer. So we'll see how it goes. Um, anywho, um, our live shows that we do every single week, um, this week, JP was kind enough to ho uh, host show and tell. Thank and, you, JP. And we were, I was looking at it while we we're getting set up for the show. 
and uh, it looks like they had like Maker All Stars. So there Is was Todd Jay Toddbot. Uh, I think it's uh, who else? Well, we had some of our team, of course. Um, and then there was also I'm just trying to think. Uh, Darian was there. There was a lot of good projects. So yeah, anyways. there's Ajay, there's Darian, there's Toddbot, there was Sid Lift Clock was Liz. there. You know, Pedro, Scott, Pedro, Scott, Michael. Uh, yeah. Lots of people. Yeah, there was a lot of people. So, anywho, um, check that out. We also do a show on Sundays called Desk of Lady Ada. And uh, it, we do two parts. The first part is what you're working on. Yeah. What were you working on this week? Oh, this week I showed off my final finish AT Tiny uh, 817 UPDI tester. So this tester took way too long. Whenever I have a new chip, it always takes a really long time for me to um, get the chip up and running because every chip is a little bit different and weird. And it was one of those things where it was like getting like the first 90% was really easy, but then that last 10% actually took like 200 times uh, more time. So the thing that was... Uh, drive me a little batty with this one was um, erasing, whenever I set a fuse, first off, I couldn't set multiple fuses and I was trying to figure out how I could do that and I can't. And then every time you set a fuse, you have to do an unlock and erase cycle, which I thought was kind of weird. I, I can't understand why, I think it's probably a security thing, but no other chip I know has ever had to do that. Like, yes, if you change the lock bit or byte, you have to, or you know the protection bytes, yes, you have to erase but I'd never seen it on, um, on like, you know, the oscillator byte. So that was a little annoying, but I did get it working and we published um, the library. So if you want to make your own standalone UPDI program, we now have standalone SWD programming, SW, um, standalone AVR ISP programming, and now we have UPDI. So we've kind of covered like the three most common. We just don't, we don't really do um, pick kit, although I think the Pixie board that we have is programmed with a pick, and I think that the um, creator of the Pixie did publish a library on how to do um, in in circuit ICSP pick uh, microcontroller programming. Okay. We also do the Great Search brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit, and this is where Lady user uses her powers of finding things on DigiKey and uh, serves them up for you. So, what did you find this week? This was a customer request. It was not a replacement uh, for an out-of-stock part. They were actually asking us, um, hey, where do you get the foam that you use to ship your feathers that have headers pre-installed? Uh, because they stick out and you have to put them in something protective and it's best if it's anti-static. And so it turns out there is anti-static foam um, available on DigiKey, but you have to kind of know where to look because there's only really like one supplier like they have plenty in stock um and of course if you want custom cut ones you can do as well but i just buy the big sheets you know put the boards in a big array and then just slice them up with a pair of scissors and i find that that's quite fast that's what we do here in house okay and then if you stick around to the end of the show we have some top secret i'm going to show some of our new graphics for desk of lady ada oh yes it's happening okay every single tuesday we do jp's product pick and jp's product pick is when jp broadcasts live from inside of a product page and you get uh, discounts without having to put any coupon codes or anything. Here is this week's highlight from JP's product pick. It is the product pick of the week. It is the Pi Ruler. Oh wait, the Pi Ruler. It essentially has a Trinket M0 built right into it. It'll run Arduino or run Circuit Python. And beyond just being a regular Trinket, it actually has four of the pins that are normally not broken out on the Trinket 
running to these four capacitive touchpads as well as four bonus LEDs. You can see here on these capacitive touchpads we have some suggested uses. This is a way to set up a little special keyboard that's really purpose-built for your engineering writing needs. Ohm character, the Omega. We have the Mu there for micro thingies and we have Pi. And then also this DigiKey logo here on the end will actually type in the URL for DigiKey's CircuitPython uh, site and go there. That's the product pick of the week. It is the Pi Ruler. Okay, and don't forget to sh uh, tune into JP's show on Thursdays, JP's workshop. And during JP's workshop, we have a segment called CircuitPython Parsec. Here is the latest, and tune in for the new one tomorrow. What I wanted to talk about for the CircuitPython Parsec today is easing the motion of your servo motor. So you're used to servos going choo, 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 really fast from position to position. When you tell them, hey, get to an angle, it just gets there as quick as it can. Well, this is a technique developed by Toddbot for easing uh, or almost adding a low-pass filter to that motion. Uh, the way this looks, watch this motion. First, it's going to jump. That's a regular hard stop. Hard stop. Now we're going to ease. And you can see that little easing motion as it gets to its position. It starts quick and then slowly gets there. And if I recall, I'm only playing those hard, fast ones right at the beginning. So from now on out, it should just be, yeah, these nice easing motions. The way this is done, you can see I've got some libraries I'm importing to be able to use the board and PWM IO and Adafruit Servo. Then I am setting two positions uh, and how long I want to take to get there. So zero and 180. I'm going the full extents of the servo. I set up my servo. And then we have this thing here. This is a variable called ease speed. Uh, this is the amount of the motion that's going to be spent on the easing and the number of slices to subdivide the motion tail into, in this case, 50 subdivisions. Watch the numbers as they go by. So these are these diminishing numbers that are the smaller and smaller sub-angles that we are traversing at the end there. And this is how it's done in my main loop. We set the new angle and the number of seconds, so that's from our list. We print that position, and then this is the easing slices. For I in range number of ease slices, the servo goes to an angle plus the new angle minus servo A angle times the ease speed. Uh, and then we repeat that until we've gone through 50 of those little sub-slices, which is what gives us that nice smooth motion at the end. Then we sleep a couple seconds and repeat the process on the next angle in the list. And so that is how you can set up a nice easing motion very simply on a servo motor inside of CircuitPython. And that is your CircuitPython Parsec. Okay, on Fridays we have Deep Dive with Scott. Scott's back this week, so tune in Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific well, Raspberry time. Raspberry Pi, low-level Raspberry Pi hacking and uh, making yep. a Raspberry Pi into a very, very, very fast microcontroller. That's right. All right, time travel. Let's uh, get to some news, videos, retro stuff, you name it. Kind of all fits in time travel because time is what we're all in. Um, 
there was a video that I wanted to get to this week that was from Phil B that I got to play. That was one of the ones. So I'm one week behind. Yeah, okay, that's fine. But, but we're catching up. But this is part-time travel. Yeah, that's right. I showed some needle calculators last week. Let's focus on this one, the TI Programmer Calculator from 1980. Notice it's a programmer calculator, not a programmable calculator. It's a calculator for programmers. It has some bitwise operations and then conversions between decimal, hexadecimal, and octal numbers. But if you have a whole computer, what does a programmer need with a calculator? Well, 1980 was a different world. Any computer you could afford for yourself would be single-tasking. You couldn't just whip up a prompt in the middle of something else to check your math. Or you might be on some hulking beast where the time is so valuable they're not going to let you just poke around on keys until it works. So a lot of code was planned ahead of time, on paper, and perhaps a calculator. Graphics, too. I love to see the classic video game sketchbooks. So, I'm excited for this modern reversal, that you can now get a calculator with the whole CircuitPython language built in. How cool is that? Okie dokie, more time travel. So, it is uh, Halloween season here. Please check our blog. It's All the spooky. stuff we're doing, yeah, we changed our, you know, the logo on the side. So you know, you know when it's Halloween season here, it's uh, pumpkin slice, uh, spice latte. Uh, season as well. And then here's just some of the deaths of Adafruit. So uh, a lot of us here are kind of in Halloween mode all year round. Um, and then, uh, you know, we have to pretend not to be in Halloween other months of the year. But this is uh, one of our uh, workstations right now. And I'll, I'll, I'll take some more photos. We have some fun things uh, in store. And then I, I think I'm going to play the other Phil video back to back because then, then I'm all caught up. Cause I oh, yeah? This. Yeah, I'm going to do that. that oh, was right, little, right, right. Yeah, because I, I put these all in one spot. And I, um, I should have put them one after the other, but anyway. That's fine. I wanted to show the Halloween stuff. Okay, okay, so here's one more video from Phil that's a continuation of that series. Showing this old programmer calculator recently, I explained it could convert between decimal, hexadecimal, and octal numbers. It's something that all programmer calculators, even new ones, do. Get into programming, and pretty soon you encounter hexadecimal, or base 16, notation. A compact way of expressing groups of 4 bits using one of 16 characters. Octal, though, is groups of 3 bits with 8 characters. You may have encountered octal when setting Unix file permissions. But 3 bits doesn't even fit nicely into a byte or a 32-bit word. Well, get this. Bytes weren't always 8 bits. 32-bit systems really started to congeal in the mid-1960s. At the time, this competed with 12-bit and 36-bit architectures. It actually makes sense. Like a clock face, there's more ways to divide this up. The big draw, though, was compatibility with mechanical calculators that banks used. 10 decimal digits needs 35 bits and round up to an even 36. It all lives on in that octal button. Okay, next up. Um, some, I learned a lot from some, that video. Yeah, some Adabox news, uh, maybe. So there's only like 10 more openings for Adabox. And heads up, this Adabox and the next Adabox, as you know, it is worldwide shipping meltdown, part shortage, no power, um, squids falling from the sky. There's a bunch of stuff going on. So as soon as we know for sure if any Adabox is going to be late, um, it won't be because we didn't do everything. It'll be because of stuff can't. We ship were actually around. early yeah. on this one. Yeah. So <laughs> but it turns out that didn't really matter. So we'll let everyone know. And um, one of the things I'm going to tell folks is like, look, if this is the worst thing that's ever happened to your life, just you know, cancel your subscription. There's a lot of other people who want it. I I think everyone's going to understand what's happened the last couple of years. And for um, there hasn't been a definitive 
I think, overview of like what's happened. So there's ships that are docked around the world that can't offload the stuff. Once the stuff is offloaded, there's not enough people to drive it around. Um, the, between Brexit and Europe and everything that's happened with like regulations and tariffs and you name it, just everything is taking longer, it's slower. When the, uh, when the folks we know in China said, oh yeah, we're only open three days a week and four days we're closed. And not only that, um, you know, the stuff we make uh, with, with you guys, um, not only will it take longer, but you're going to get half of it. <laughs> so just, yeah. it is, it is a, it's a nightmare. It's always somehow getting on uh, harder and harder mode in doom. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So anyways, we'll let everyone know. Yeah. But um, just please know we did everything early. We did everything in advance. We're going to, uh, we'll figure out something. And even yeah. if it's late, um, you know, maybe cut us some slack. Okay. Uh, Collins Lab notes comes out every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, I'm picking two of my favorites. This is the flexible ink display and uh, good old 555 timer. Okay. Take it away, Colin. Yeah. The basic mechanic of how e-ink displays work is interesting by itself, but flexible e-ink displays take things to another level by making the otherwise rigid layer technology pliable, enough for mounting on a curved surface. Just like a classic e-ink panel, this 2.1-inch flexible display can be programmed via the e-ink friend featherwing, either connected directly to the board's 24-pin port or from a distance using an FPC cable and extender, therefore allowing us to mount the flexible display on the side of a container. Or a lamppost on the street. Or maybe the human forehead. You never know. Why is the triple five timer one of the best known ICs of all time? Well. It's been around a long time, and there's a crazy amount of example circuits out there for it. It's also cheap, easy to use, and most of all, versatile. A 555 timer can be used as a timer, performing a single action after a specific period of time, an oscillator, generating a repeating waveform at a specific frequency, a PWM signal generator, outputting a waveform of varying pulse width for controlling servo motors, LEDs, etc plus less practical uses like using two of them together to create a stepped tone generator, aka Tari Punk console. For a modern update to the 555, consider the TLC 551. It's pin compatible with the original, has a wider input voltage and higher accuracy. Okay, uh, help wanted. This one's a little different. I might eventually put this uh, job posting on our jobs board because we have a jobs board. But we have an opening. Well, we do. Um, we, we're looking for, um, uh, this is remote anywhere, contract position, and we are going to look for someone who wants to help us manage our blog. So check out blog.adafruit.com and jobs, jobs.adafruit.com, both WordPress. Um, there's a lot of folks that are really good at WordPress, love WordPress. Uh, the reason we're doing it because our team does a great job at it, but we just want to do additional things and we want to uh, find someone cool maybe from the community. Um, I've worked, I, I started Hackaday. I have like a billion blog posts online. Make was the, one of the websites I managed. And then I, I've been running the Adafruit blog um, as the like editorial manager or whatever for yeah. all these years. 
And it is one of the, the, the neatest websites because you don't have to worry about advertising or ads or monetizing anything. All you have to do is worry about updating to the latest WordPress, making sure it looks good in our you know, template that we have. And that's pretty much it. Um, we moderate all comments. Uh, it is a chill thing. We just want a little bit of help with that. And for the jobs board, the jobs board is basically WordPress with this like plug-in thing that like kind of works with yeah. it. So if anyone's interested, just email me pt at adafruit.com. Um, but just make sure, you know, you, you got to kind of got to love WordPress. Yes. Kind of the thing. Um, we self-host, by the way. And we're a very cool team. You got yeah, your support. Fun. You're not going to be alone. We have people who've already done it. We're just yeah. so busy doing so much stuff. Yeah. We don't have time for it. It also means, you know, and if, as you can tell in over the last 18 months and in, in, in our recent shows, we've been back in the office. We're not wearing masks right now. Our well team, vaccinated. Our team is fully vaccinated. So it is... There is a new chapter that's 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 happening here. Um, the Halloween parade in New York is back. There's a lot of there's a lot of good things to look forward to, but we're also kind of like shell shocked and nervous at all times that you know what's going to be the next crisis. So, um, anyways, ptdataford.com. Um, I'll put this up later, but this is just for like the true fans um, that are that are hanging out that uh, might be in that in this world. And if you know someone. Uh, you can do a time-coded URL or just have them email me. Okay. It is Python on hardware time. Blinka, blinka, blinka. Blinka, blinka, blinka. Okay, like every week, I try to pick out a few things from the newsletter, and then okay. I have something I focus on. Um, this is kind of neat. Blues Wireless Swan, a powerful circuit Python compatible board in a feather form factor. I showed this as, like, breaking news last week, but one of the things I thought that was kind of neat, um, Andrew noticed... Adafruit, wondering if you caught Ray Ozzy, the CEO of Blues Wireless, showing off his new feather board at Edge Impulse Imagine Conference. It can run CircuitPython, too. Yay. That's pretty neat. That's right. They did a PR to add support for this chip, which is so yeah. awesome. Thank you, folks. Yeah, so I mentioned this, I think, in a past show, um, but I also want to mention something. So when MOSFET, our cat, passed away, um, Ray Ozzy donated money to um, the cat shelter that Lady Ada got MOSFET from. Yeah. And, uh, he got his cat from the same shelter. And we were we were uh, exchanging emails. And, you know, I know it's silly, but it meant a lot because it was, like, devastating. And the fact that... I miss MOSFET. The, the fact that someone... I mentioned MOSFET today. I, was, yeah, I, like, I referred to ten, every day. a 10-pound weight. I was like, that's one MOSFET. Yeah, <laughs> that's how we measure things. Anyways, um, and, they all, and now Ray is the CEO of uh, this electronics company, and they're doing feather stuff, and it has CircuitPython, so... Anyways, um, you know, maybe check it out if you like cats. <laughs> Anyways, um, the Raspberry Pi released a new data sheet, the RP2040 data sheet. It is gigantic, so check it out. It has everything. Uh, next week, Ada Lovelace Day. I'm going to show some of this video. We did a virtual factory tour, um, so stick around for the show tonight, and you'll see the rest of it. Um, I thought this was neat. Python 3.10. They had a release party, and they're starting to do these cool... 3.10. Sorry, 3. Yeah, 10. Oops. Um, they're starting to do these cool graphics where it has, like, some of the stuff that has something to do with the, I think this is cool. I think we yeah. should have, like, tattoos, like, temporary tattoos for release. Yeah. Like, we did, We candidates. have a poster, and I'll talk about that for each each thing that we do. Um, the Halloween Hackfest with uh, DigiKey and Hackaday and Adafruit. Um, that's still going on. And it's Open Hardware Month. Talk about that again. Make sent out a big old thing, getting started with Python on hardware. And uh, this is kind of neat. Teaching Python podcast made this uh, CircuitPython error bingo card. So if you are uh, learning 
a programming language and you get an error, normally it's like, oh no, I am the worst. I can't believe this is happening to me. Um, the, uh, the folks uh, over at Teaching Python Podcast decided to make it into a fun game. And I think that's the way to do it. If we can normalize making mistakes, it'd be way better than the alternative. Um, and then, uh, you know, catch out the rest of the odds and ends. I think there was one more thing I wanted to show. Oh, yeah. The Pico system, it's a pocket-sized handheld console built around Raspberry Pi RP2040. It uses things like C++ and MicroPython and, of course, CircuitPython. Um, and so that is uh, the newsletter news. And then um, speaking of, of launch graphics, so the Python 3.1.0 um, graphic thing is there. We... We have friendly snakes. We have our we have the great merge poster. So seven, CircuitPython seven. It's out now, and we wanted to like show that MicroPython and CircuitPython are um, on a collision course together, and now they're they're like one snake. One snake absorbed the other snake. So it's it's one, it's one snake. So a lot of the MicroPython stuff is uh, now in CircuitPython. Next up, but this video from Jepler, we have a cool camera thing. Hi, Jeff here. I've been working on supporting another camera module in Adafruit CircuitPython. This time it's the OV5640. I had to put it on a long extension cable to get the shot I wanted of the LCD, and that's what's leading to the glitches that you're seeing um, here in the video. What's working is RGB, YUV, and grayscale capture, and of course display to LCD. You can also control the saturation level and turn on special effects such as sepia, negative, and test pattern. Next up is implementing JPEG image capture at a startling 5 megapixels. Uh, the library will be added to the CircuitPython bundle when it's ready. See you around. Okay. And then uh, there was a question, is there a name for this snake hydra? No, in fact, I tried to find out if there was There's a name. There's not a snake hydra. There's two snakes. Yeah, but they're kind of like. Oh, the MicroPython snake? Yeah, well, so. I don't think it's called the MicroPython snake. Yeah, there, so I asked Amy, and he said, there's no name for it. And we redrew the, the snake form because he didn't, I think he had the artwork, so he made one for him. Um, I don't There's know two snakes. They, yeah. It's Blinka and the MicroPython snake. Yeah, but they're kind of like. Like maybe, but no, 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 they're yeah. not. If you look carefully, they, they no, I know, around. but it, but it looks like it could be a two-headed snake, and that I, happens in nature quite a bit, um, at least more than maybe other types of animals. Okay. Um, anyways, so back to the camera stuff. So here's more um, photos from the camera. JPEG photos, testing out some different JPEG modes. Yeah, and I think that's not bad. Not bad. This is a, a very low-cost, couple-dollar um, camera module, and it works quite well. Yeah, I think. Um, I think it'll be neat when you're able to build your own DIY camera. Yeah. Anyways, and that is uh, Python Hardware News this week. Okie dokie. We are an open source hardware company. It is open source hardware month. Go check out ohm.oshwa.org. And uh, the latest thing that I saw that was kind of cool, so Michael Weinberg was on the show and tell last week yes. talking about Open Hardware Month, and he's like, there's a big yes. surprise coming soon, and this is it. The guidelines okay. for sharing FPGA designs are now published. Yay! Lady, for the folks who don't know what an FPGA is, mm. what are they? An FPGA is a kind of chip that you can turn into any other kind of digital chip, which is really cool, because usually a microcontroller, you can program it with code, but you can't change the, the underlying peripherals or the underlying core. Like, if it's a... RP2040, it's an RP2040, it's an 8051, it's an 8051, it's a Zilog Z80, it's a Zilog Z80. But with an FPGA, you can program it with any chip, um, but customize the chip itself. 
and uh, it's instantly fast as well. Everything kind of happens at once, which is uh, very powerful. Um, a lot of people use FPGAs for you know very timing sensitive stuff, video stuff, where you have to push a lot of data around um, very quickly, or for prototyping new silicon. So when you're designing a new chip, you use an FPGA to design it. Okay. All right. Um, in addition to you know us being an open source hardware company, we have 2,553 guides to prove it. Yes. Um, this week on the big board, Lady Ada, what do we got? Okay. Um, all right. Starting with, uh, we've got, I like it's a little, it's kind of like wide. Yeah. yeah it's like chunky. Um, we got from Dylan, um, a whippersnapper project. Um, whippersnapper is our extension to Adafruit IO. It comes free with Adafruit IO where you can make projects without any code at all. So it's a no code interface for making IOT and sensor projects. Um, and then, uh, so just showing how to make a door alarm. So one example that emails you when the door opens. Um, we also have a, a guide from JP on using those inductive coil LEDs um, to make models, uh, showing a couple different models. One is like a, like a Star Wars model. One is, I think, a figurine model. And uh, we also did a Lego model. So different techniques and how to build a stand um, and how to really use these inductive LEDs in the prettiest way. Also got a guide from Katni on the ANO directional navigation and scroll wheel rotary. So it's basically iPod classic wheel. You know, it's four buttons and then like a little rotary wheel that clicks and it's very tactile and enjoyable. Uh, we have that sensor and a breakout for it and Katni wrote code and a guide for Arduino and CircuitPython. And then from Liz Clark, Noah, and Pedro, we've got this cool mini LED matrix audio visualizer. You can just plug um, one of our 13 by nine RGB LED matrices um, into a feather sense and uh, run some CircuitPython code that'll take a fast Fourier transform and show you some cool bubbly LEDs. Okay, we got two more. Um, also, Dan Halbert, uh, I think either updated or wrote this guide on custom HID devices. So if you want a custom descriptor for an HID device, uh, for example, um, you want to mimic a Microsoft rotary surface dial, um, you can do that now. It's something that is, you know was possible in Arduino, and uh, you know if you were willing to code some C code, you could could do it in CircuitPython. But now you can do it purely in Python, which is really cool and powerful. You can make custom HID devices. So if we don't natively support the device you want, we can still interface with it. And Dylan wrote um, another getting started with Whippersnapper guide. This one is just button press inputs. So it's a, a very beginner guide on uh, like your first Whippersnapper project. Okay. Made New York City factory footage. This week we're going to do something a little different. Yeah. So on Friday of last week, it was Made New York City. Like how we're in it, but we're not in it. Like, yeah, it was Made New York City week. Yeah. And uh, Adafruit is, I think, one of the only electronic manufacturers in Manhattan. I and think so. I think so. And then it was also uh, manufacturing day. Yeah. So all on the same day. So we said, okay, fine, we'll do a factory tour. So this is a, a slight speed up. This isn't exactly because uh, I wanted to be around a, a little bit over a minute. So this is uh, where we ship stuff. Um, one of my desks, I, I, I have a desk on each floor here at Adafruit, but this is uh, where we do a lot of the shipping and storing of things. Um, all of this is velocity storage. So the things that we ship the most of are closest to the shipping stations. And you could see a whole bunch of uh, Adafruit products around here. Um, things are a little different since we've had COVID uh, happening in our lives. So obviously you see people wearing masks. We changed some of the layout and some different things. Um, and we're also continually trying to maximize our space. 
uh, but I wanted to do uh, a little video, so I asked um, Keanu, who works here in manufacturing, to run down and make a quick video, because it's really hard to do a multi-floor live broadcast, and so uh, this is the uh, other uh, part of the tour that we did. And then this side, this is the other side of one of our floors. Uh, this is where we have a whole bunch of storage. Yay, boxes of stuff. Stuff and stuff and stuff All and stuff. All labeled and, and counted yeah. and, and accounted for and tracked and yeah. This back is where at, all the backlog. Back when we were an apartment company, our storage was in the living room and shipping was uh, also we a, in the We had a closet. Room. Yeah, we had a closet oh, full of uh, boxes. But now, you know, we have a, a lot yeah. more stuff. Yeah, so it definitely has that, like, you know, Costco feel a little bit. And uh, you can see more of that area. Then um, we also did a little bit of filming of the other floor. And this is where we're at right now. So this is where we do a lot of manufacturing. You can see the pick-and-place machines here. So two pick-and-place Samsung machines. Yeah. The inspection space station, the oven, um, the testers for the upcoming products, uh, the nitrogen generators. Oh, yeah, this spins around. Um, wow. The rework and uh, testing benches. A lot of these are, we've actually spread out a lot of people. There's there me, there. hi, hello. Hi. <laughs> uh, and then there's Phil over hi. there, hi. And then we've got the hack sign. Hack. And yeah. uh, let's see what else we got. Oh, the real storage and component storage. Uh, old oven that we keep around in case we ever need yeah. it. And then a, a TARDIS. A TARDIS. Well, we kind of saw that yeah. a little bit. Um, okay, so that's samples, the tour. Samples, and then that's where we film. So this that's is where the, we this film is, right here. This is where you see us. Hello. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's we, where we're sitting right that's now. That's where we're sitting now. Huh, that's cool. Thanks, I, Dan. I didn't realize it ended like that. Ta -da. Okay, and then I'm going to show the rest of the um, uh, regular old factory footage that we do each week. So here we go.
And it wouldn't be Adafruit factory footage unless uh, you could see the Disney, Marvel, whatever. Um, Complex. I think I figured it out. Um, we are the Watcher. I guess we're watching What it. if this building is never completed? I, I won't interfere. I don't know, man. Except they're, for once. They're going pretty fast. Yeah. Anyways. Um, okay. Let's do some 3D printing. Okay, we're gonna play these back to back. We have a little visualizer, and then we have this really neat uh, speed up video of this like little lizard little creature. Hand lizard puppet, yeah, yeah it's cool. cute. Hey, what's up folks? In this project, we're making an LED audio visualizer. We designed and 3D printed a case for this lovely little LED matrix and an Adafruit feather. This is a 13 by 9 LED matrix that features the IS31FL3741 LED driver. It's packed with 117 RGB LEDs that are 2 by 2 millimeters in size. Stemma QT connectors make it easy to plug and play over I2C so it's easy to connect to a microcontroller like the Feather RP2040. The Adafruit Feather Sense NRF52840 features a PDM MIMS microphone for audio projects. The LED driver features libraries for both CircuitPython and Arduino, so it's easy to quickly get up and running. In the demo code, RGB colors are set up in an array to generate a heat map of the incoming audio data. This demo code was ported by Liz Clark from the Microlab Waterfall Spectrum Analyzer. This particular demo was written by Philip Burgess and features a bounce effect when the audio is peaking. The Microlab library allows you to crunch numbers fast in CircuitPython with NumPy-like commands to quickly process data. Be sure to check out the Learn Guide by Jeff Epler for a full breakdown on using this library in your projects. The LED matrix and FeatherSense NRF52840 are secured to a PCB bracket. It's secured to the 3D printed enclosure with M3 hardware screws. The case and back cover snap fit together for an easy assembly. On the side of the case is a port opening for connecting the feather over USB. We designed a built-in button pusher so you can use the reset button without having to take it apart. We had a lot of fun putting this one together and hope this inspires you to pick up the LED matrix and the Adafruit feather sense. Make sure to subscribe for more 3D printed and CircuitPython projects from Adafruit.
don't forget every single Wednesday, 3D Hangouts with NoPager. You can learn how to make this. I like the uh, the build up and build down of the little croc because it looks like one of those nature shows yeah. where like a fox decomposes. Yeah. It's like, Arr. anyways. Okay, lady, it is time to do on MPI. That's right. Hi, Okay, I on NPI is brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit. Every week we look at the latest, newest stuff from DigiKey and more. Lady Ada, what is this week's INMPI? This week's INMPI is a Raltron uh, crystal oscillator kit that I saw pop up on digikey.com slash new. Uh, they got a cool logo, Raltron, apparently they're, uh, like I think, in Miami, Florida. So it's cool. They have really great weather there. It's like and Tron's they- uncle. Raltron, hey, yeah, Raltron. and they've also got great crystals, so why not? Um, it's a Ramy technology company. I guess they're, yeah, owned by yeah. somebody. But they're a, small, they're a small business, and they do manufacturing, and they're, they're here in the U.S. So um, let's check out this week's new product. Okay. Okay, so the new product is this uh, crystal resonator design kit. So um, chances are you've used... Uh, this is like the best trapper keeper ever. It's a, basically it's a trapper keeper. So, uh, you know, crystals, um, you know, if, you, if you've never used crystals... In your electronics, uh, they're, they're not necessarily like the bedazzly type crystals. Instead, um, they're the kind of crystals that come in a metal tin. Uh, usually you have to have two capacitors with them to uh, stabilize the oscillator. And uh, inside the crystal actually is a little piece of piezo-resistant material. It's a, it's a crystal. It's not like a, a you know, amethyst type crystal or like a quartz crystal. Um, but it is a, a crystal material. Um, and when voltage is applied across it, it uh, vibrates um, and it will you know, oscillate back at a certain frequency. And so uh, by setting up in a feedback loop and you kick it once, um, you, will get a, you can get quite precise um, oscillations out of it. So you know, what are the, these are used for is um, creating a timing signal for microcontrollers and other chips that need to have a, a precise measurement of time. Because uh, you, know, you can make an RC oscillator, but RC oscillators um, they're not very precise. They have plus or minus maybe five or ten percent. I mean, you know, you can sometimes tune them to get one percent. Uh, but a, a, a crystal oscillator is going to work much, much better. You're going to get, you know, maybe twenty to fifty ppm. That's uh, pulses per uh, million or parts per million um, error rate, which is uh, pretty good for a, um, a a timing oscillator. And so, you know, oftentimes your microcontroller will use a, a crystal also as a um, source for an a multiplier, like a PLL, to multiply that frequency. But we'll, we'll get to that. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the most common crystal kind of used, like in any electronics, is the 32.768 kilohertz crystal. Um, the reason, you know, that's quite an odd number, like why 30, 32.768 kilohertz? Well, um, because that is a 2 to the 15 number. And so if you have a binary counter in your microcontroller, and binary counters are very inexpensive, um, as it counts from zero up to uh, 32767. Uh, um, when it gets to 768, it'll flip over, and um, that overflow will let you know that one second has passed. So it's a very easy way to count one second. So it's used for timing. So in this case, this board that is shown here has a real-time clock. Uh, so it's something that keeps time. It runs for years on a coin cell battery. And it can do that because uh, 32 kilohertz is, is quite slow. It's, it's a common crystal value, but it's slow enough that you're not running very fast electronics. It sips power, like, you know, like microamps or less. Um, so there's a lot of different values. So this kit 
uh, this, and I'll, I'll open up the kit, of course, and show you the pages inside. Um, it has the most 32 kilohertz crystals. Like it has all sorts of different sizes and packages. Um, and also the load capacitors. Now, yes, uh, oftentimes you have to uh, pick the load capacitors that go with your um, crystal. Like if you look here on uh, this Arduino board on the left, you see there's kind of the metal tin and then above it, there's two little yellow dots. Those are the load capacitors. Sometimes you pick them, but actually sometimes I've noticed uh, certain chips or devices, they actually have the load capacitor, like a tunable number inside the micro or like you kind of have to pick a certain uh, loading value. And so that's why they have multiple, even though, you know, I tend to use like, I don't know, 12.5 picofarad for 32 kilohertz. And maybe I use 18 picofarad for, you know, 12 or whatever. They do give you a full range with multiple um, sizes and also load capacitances. Um, so I showed you the 32, I call them 32 kilohertz, but they're 32.768. Um, they also have a lot of microcontroller, you know, common microcontroller values. Like if you have a USB microcontroller, you're going to have six 12 or 24 megahertz because uh, USB is a 12 megahertz protocol. And so you're gonna have something that's like a multiple or, or a divisor of 12. Um, a lot of uh, uh, microcontrollers also, you'd like to run it like eight or 16 or 20 or 40 uh, megahertz. Those are pretty common values. Um, the microcontroller sometimes runs at that value, but again, it's, it's pretty common for inside the microcontroller, um, there's a phase lock loop and so there's a, non-precise higher speed oscillator that they then tune against the um, precise lower speed oscillator. And that way you can, you know, a lot of my controllers these days, you may have noticed you can actually change the clock speed, um, sometimes even on the fly. So, you know, uh, original AVR mic controllers, I think you could maybe clock divide only, but um, in the SAMD21, you know, you can, you can clock up and you can even overclock uh, if you'd like, or the SAM51, you, you overclocked it to 200 megahertz, even though it only has, I think, a 16 megahertz crystal on it. But, you know, it's important, especially if you're doing radio frequency stuff, you want to have really good, precise crystals. Next up, there are a couple of weird values in here too, like 27.12 megahertz. You're probably like, okay, that's an odd value, and it's not even like a multiple of two. What is up with that? Um, this is a uh, RFID board. So this is a PN532, and it's an RFID uh, transceiver board and RFID for like NTAG and MyFair chips is 32, uh, sorry, 13.56 megahertz. That's the frequency. And so multiply that by two, you get 27.12. So that's another thing. If you have certain RF work you're doing, you'll need to really get that crystal to be the exact multiple. Um, I also, if you're doing, uh, you know, video stuff, old NTSC video, you had to have the color burst crystal and it was like 3.96 megahertz. The, the crystal actually does matter. You don't round up or down. You want to get the exact value. And again, you want to have the, the loading capacitors match because that'll get your value as close as possible to uh, the stated. Um, so inside the binder are all these pages. And I think that these are like, I'll show them also in the overhead, but I think they're pages that are used for like, um, like baseball cards or something. Yeah, this was clever. So each inside there's five, there's a five piece cut tape of each crystal and they're in the little clear pockets and then behind it is a printed out piece of paper um, that goes that you know is behind the clear part and it has um, the part number the frequency the stability um, the load capacitance the ESR operating mode operating temperature and um, size and then there's also a short URL that you can go to to get the data sheet and also a QR code one nice thing about the short URL they got their own URL shortener 
Big ups for that because it would, it would have been really easy to like use the Google one or uh, Bitly. They actually got their own, which is very cool. smart. Don't rely on other people for your URL shortening. What are the chances of like a giant global network going down and no one being able to communicate I or know. anything? Probably not. Okay. Unlikely. Well, it's available on Digikey. That's right. So you can pick this up. Um, Digikey also has capacitor kits and resistor kits. I always recommend having a resistor kit and capacitor kit. I use them all the time. We sell some yeah. you know, in the shop, but Digikey also has them. Nothing beats having a resistor and capacitor kit. You never know you need some weird value. Sure, you're all here. And a crystal kit, also really useful because sometimes you don't realize you're laying out your board, you get all the parts, you don't realize, oh shoot, like the, you know, the crystal I need is the wrong size or I need a slightly different frequency. Um, I misread it, I thought it was 20, it's 24. Crystals are used in everything, right? So it's it's not a bad idea. Just like you have a, a, your your kit of regulators, your kit of resistors, your kit of connectors, uh, get a crystal kit as All right, well. Show this book? Yes. All right, I'll show this book and then we'll. Okay, so uh, design kit uh, for crystal resonators. Thank you. So there's little instructions on how to use it, and then basically this is how it works. So you see that there's these. Uh, clear pages and they're used for like baseball cards or whatever. And then underneath it, there is for each one a description. Um, so these are like super tiny 1.2 by one millimeter, 32 kilohertz crystals. And then uh, moving up, there is a 3.2 by 1.5. And then they've got um, 32 megahertz. They've got uh, 25 megahertz, 27.1, two, 27, without the one, two, 32, 37. 38, 44, 40, 48, 16, 20, 24, 25. So they have, a, they have a couple different frequencies in different sizes, but they kind of cover them all. These are all the kind of the most common frequencies I've seen. And of course, once you've uh, used these in your production um, and you're happy with the package and the size and the stability, you can, um, of course, uh, use that part number, type in DigiKey, and then purchase it by the reel. Your heart's content. So you go, you got 66 different values, and then 55, sorry, five pieces of each value. So multiply that out. Okay, and that is this week's Eye on MPI. TikTok. Okay, let's uh, share the code, time of flight. And then let's uh, jump right to new products, Lady. Okay. New, 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 new. Here new. we go. Okay. Okay. Uh, first up, this is a revision. 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 It's actually such a revision that it's, I don't even actually call it a revision because a revision. you don't it's even know. You don't even know what changed. So if you look carefully, you'll see the uh, DFN version of this chip, the LC0927092, uh, whatever. Uh, is no longer available. Um, we can only get the BGA version, and so I respawn the board for a BGA chip. It's a smaller chip. It's exactly the same component, same pinout, same functionality. It's just now. BGA. It's, now it's just available. <laughs> it's just available, and this is part of the silicon next shortage. Next up. Um, next up, we've got these little uh, dust covers. Uh, we had them. We got them a while ago for like. USB and USB-C and USB-A and HDMI and micro USB and people are like, oh, well, I want mini HDMI. So this is the mini yeah. HDMI plug. Fits perfectly into your Pi Zero, which is kind of yeah. like the most handy thing. Yeah, and if you want micro HDMI uh, little dust cover plugs, we've got those too. These are rarer, so they're not as cheap. Um, but you get a pack of 10, so you plug to your heart's content and if you lose them, no worries, you've got more. Um, actually wish I could, I, sh I should get like the 3.5 millimeter plug because like yeah. 
you know, I, I actually get little, like a, it's dusty in my room, and like when I plug in my headphones, sometimes it's yeah. like a little dust inside. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick up some of those for home. Um, we've also got an update. We uh, finally got in the six pin version of this uh, Pico Blade, I think it's 1.25 millimeter pitch, Pico Blade connector, um, you know, A to A type. You know, people are making their own, you know, boards. They want a very nice, durable, extremely compact uh, connector. This will do the job quite nicely with six pins. Next up. Um, we're also carrying, uh, you know, we, we stocked a couple different, I think we stocked the 24 pin version of these extendos and now we have them in 20, 30, 40, sorry, 20, 30, yeah. whatever. I'll, actually, let me look. We've um, got a variety of choices know, for variety. you. Hold on, hold and on. you can see the photos of them as Lady Uta gets these out. Yes. I this time. This time. Okay. All right. You want to show this off? Yes. So um, I think these are the 20, 30, and 60. Mm -hmm. uh, because, oh, yeah. because we already had the 40 and the 24. Um, so basically, if you have something with a flex connector um, and you want to extend it, what you would do is you get an FPC cable, which we you can cut an existing FPC cable down or you can get another one. And what's just nice about this is that it has two uh, little ear nubs on each side. And then when you plug them in like this, they're now connected through. And so you can use this to extend your flex circuits. Um, and they do so very compactly. I, I do like how um, cute and adorable these are. So. You know, flex cables, if we don't have the exact flex cable you need, uh, check DigiKey, they stock you know, flex cables of every sort and kind. Um, we use them for basically, if you have a 40 pin TFT cable, uh, you know, 40 pin TFT, you want to extend it farther away, you use one of these plus a um, plain flex cable, like so, and make a little extendo out of them. So um, okay. they're very inexpensive and compact. and. Uh, I think I kind of like these more than the PCB versions because they're they don't they don't get in the way they don't snag on anything. All right, next up. Okay, next up from Aidtech, um, we've got two of these little suitcasey like storage bins. These are very small storage bins. We also store we also have like these um, snap open boxes, but this is like all in one. Um, so the gray one is got clear tops. I also got labels if you want to label them. Uh -huh. And then we also have a black one, which is anti-static, but the tops aren't clear. So there's kind of two options here for which one you want. Um, anti-static, of course, is better for storing chips, but you, you'll definitely have to label each one because you can't see through it. So let's show on the overhead. So one thing is, is these are smaller than you probably think. Um, well. So they're, they're this, well, I mean, I, I felt like they were larger. Hold on. It's like a slice of a lunchbox. Yeah, it's like a lunch, it's like a lunchbox, yeah. but but slimmer. Like I mean, they're not that small, but they're yeah. they're definitely compact. Um, and what I do like is that both sides have these little storage bins, uh, and so you know you can see through it, and you can also label them. But it's good for um, a small. Zoom. Zoom in here. You want to zoom? No, 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 no. Nope, 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 nope. I'm zooming in. Look out! I'm, I'm in the box. Okay, sorry, I'm zooming out. Okay. Um, okay, so inside here we've got um, 
you know, resistors or something. Again, this is not the anti-static box, so you don't want to, um, you can store chips in it if, if you know, you don't care, or you're not worried about it. Um, but then you can, you know, it's nice and flat, so you can see all the components, pick them up, uh, store them. And I do like that they have nice, uh, big finger friendly, uh, latchy thingies, and then you can hear it latch open and close. Yeah. Uh, connectors, you can store some connectors, but it's not big. So, you know, you can't put in. Make your own uh, electronic, uh, event calendar as yeah folks mentioned well there's this is like for like many months I don't, I don't remember how many it's like 150 boxes i don't remember the number but it's, yeah. a, it's a large number of containers um so again this is the clear version and then um it does latch closed and then this is the anti-static version so as you expect um you can't see through it because it's anti-static plastic but i think one of these hold on See, she said it was in the middle. There it is. It's a little game. Little game. You can store chips. Yeah. Sorry, this way. Oh wait, this got flipped. Yeah, I think you flipped it. Or I flipped it. Um, yeah. So um, good for storing chips, and then of course you'll want to label it. But uh, Scott recommended these. Um, they're very cute and adorable, and they're great if you don't have a lot of space in your. Um, workshop, but you want to have a little kit of uh, wow. components and you don't want to like store all those little bags with, with labels on them. You just take the parts out and you put them here and then you, this is, you know, between these two, like this is kind of all you need to basically have a full yeah. electronic component lab. All right. Next up. Okay. Um, from Chromatech. Um, so they contacted us and uh, they make a thing that people have been asking for. So these are momentary and toggle buttons. Um, that have a NeoPixel in the middle. So if you want to light up the ring, um, you know, you can see there's like three pins in the middle and that's like the normal, like the common, normally open, normally close switch. And then the four pins on the outside are for like the, the NeoPixels as part of the ring. So you treat it like a NeoPixel, you send a NeoPixel data to it and it glows and it glows nice and smoothly. Um, you don't have to worry about PWMing each RGB pin. Uh, so it's, it's very easy to use and uh, it comes with a cable harness. So you see here, like the, you know, there's like this long tail coming out of it. Um, so that tail, you can detach it, but I don't recommend it. Um, instead, you know, keep it attached and you can use that, um, to, you know, you can, you can detach it, but like instead of soldering to those, um, lugs, you can just solder to the ends of these wires and you don't have to end up like soldering to your button. So it also makes it easier to do installation. So it's kind of a very fancy, um, NeoPixel LED momentary button yeah. or latching button. And then another nice thing is the NeoPixel signal. There's the output too, so you can chain them if you'd like. Okay. Uh, next up, the CircuitPython 7 poster. Um, we're going to hold this up. This is actually another example of like weird supply chain stuff. So you think posters would be easy to get? Uh, we normally have these right before the launch. Um, but this everything's these, taking longer. Everything takes longer, slower, but we have it now. and half the amount you expect to get. But this is a really neat poster. Um, if you order one, you might get a surprise, and there might be a previous version poster in there too. Sometimes we do that if we have any left over. Um, these are limited edition, as in like we only make a few. We only make one for run. our team. Yes. And then like if anyone else gets them, um, great. But um, you know, the contributors and the community and, and a lot of the folks that that's where we. Uh, send these out to you first, but they're available now. And this is 
The Great Merge poster is what yes. I'm, I'm naming it. Blinka. The Great Merge. The unnamed MicroPython Python becoming oh. best friends. We have we are actually keep, keeping up. Yeah. All right. And the star of the show tonight, besides you, Lady Ada, our community, our customers, the Adafruit team is this uh, new breakout, the VL53L1X. It's actually a popular sensor, and if you can tell by the part number, I actually designed this a while ago, and I kind of sort of forgot to release it, um, but I finally got around to it again. So the VL531L1X is a time of flight distance sensor. Uh, we've already stocked the VL6180, which is like the first gen, the VL53L0X, which is the second gen, which I think could do up to two meters, and then the 53L1X can go up to four meters. Um, it's quite a powerful and uh, fast time of flight sensor. You can get 50 hertz resolution. I think the cone is about uh, 20 degrees. So it's, it's not nearly as wide as like sonar. Like sonar can be, can spread out quite wide. You can get bouncing effects. Um, this is, you know, fairly, fairly precise. Uh, comes on a STEM EQT uh, connector. Um, you know, it's plug and play. It, you know, another nice thing about this sensor is it uh, does have a um, uh, default address of OX29, but you can change it um, if you connect up the um, shutdown pin. Like it does have the ability, so if you have multiple of them, the, the library that is released actually by ST, thankfully they released an Arduino library, um, can, can remap the addresses. It, it doesn't permanently remap them, so it kind of has to do it every time. Um, but it makes it a lot easier for you to connect multiple of these sensors. So they're great for robotics or um, like human computer interfaces or like any time you want to measure up to four meters of distance um, very accurately, very precisely. All right, do you want to show a demo? I do, but I need to find where the micro USB cable went. All right, well, while you're doing that. There's one here, but it's... Uh, so many cables. Yeah, I can find you a camera if you want. No, no, no. Okay. It was right here. Okay. So, hold on. Okay, so of course it's pointing at the floor. So I can point it at the ceiling, which is about... Three is probably hitting that lamp up there. Uh, you know, four meters away, pointed at me, but it, it updates at 50 hertz. And um, at me, and then I'm gonna make my hand get closer. Okay. Okay, get closer. Yeah. Get closer. Close, 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 close. I will say it's not good after. You know, if it get too close, it's not good under like that's 20 millimeters. Wow, that's neat. Like 20. I mean, it says it's closer, yeah. but it's not. I don't think it's rated for that distance. The VL. 6180, I think, is better at low distances, but um, but what this one is good for is very long distances. Again, it can do up to four meters, um, which is cool. It's great for, it's a great upgrade, basically, if you have a, a sonar and you want something with a narrower cone of interest and, um, you know, you still get that four meter distance. Okay. You know, 12 feet or so. And that's new products. Okay, so uh, don't forget code's time of flight, and you can use that for anything that's in stock. Um, start putting your questions over on Discord, adafruit.it slash Discord. If you put your question in before we do it again, um, sometimes it's hard to scroll and find them. And uh, you can hang out all the time and ask questions in all the different channels, but let's do some top secret while y'all are loading up some questions sure. from the vault. All right, so we're gonna show two videos and then we're gonna show a preview of the new graphics for
Desk of Lady it is. So the first one is a new product that we're uh, gonna have in the store soon, and the next one is the UPDI stuff that you're working on. Yes. All right, Lady what is this? Hey, I am checking out a new sample I got. This is kind of cool. It's a stand, um, and I think it would be really useful for hot air work. So when I do hot air rework, usually like I'm kind of holding it and I'm like tweezing, and that's annoying because I have to hold it. But this stand holds it for you, and then you can put your board underneath, and I can do all my tweezing. And I don't have to worry about holding this. And uh, you can go up and down maybe. This looks pretty cool. So I'm kind of liking the sample. I think I'm going to order this, put it in the Adafruit shop. There you go. Nice work stand. Well, I finally put together my first ATtiny UPDI-based programmer and tester kit. This is for the new ATtiny 817 breakout. Um, unlike many AVRs, this uh, new series is programmed with a UART system called UPDI. Um, and I have this running, the programmer itself is running on this Metro M0. So it's like, hey, where's the board? So I'm going to insert the board, put the right orientation like this, plug it down. And you'll see, um, you know, it does fuse checks, it erases the chip, it programs, and it, it actually does a full test of the, the GPIO of the product as well. Um, this is cool because it's so fast, even compared to using something like a USB console cable with uh, PyMCU Prog, which takes like 20 to 40 seconds. This is like two seconds to program. Only thing to watch out for if you're using UPDI is every time you write a fuse, you have to erase to unlock the chip. That only took me a couple days to figure out, but now I know. Okay, and then um, we'll probably deploy these graphics on Sunday. Um, as you can tell, nature's healing. Like when you're dealing with uh, multiple crises for you know almost a couple years, um, you don't have time to do some of the graphics stuff you want to do. So this is the new uh, retro look of Desolidiate. I'm going to show the um, the video intro with the the music that JP just did, and uh, we're probably going to change up the music every once in a while. And we're going to try to update graphics all across the things that we're doing. But here it is. <laughs> Top secret. It is retro. Back in the vault. Okay, we're gonna do the questions now. Whee! Okay, here we go. You ready? Yeah. Some of these. Hit me up. Let's do speed rounds. Yeah, we're gonna do speed rounds. Okay, there soon. Okay. Um. Let's see. First uh, question: I wanted to build a text-to-speech project but want to transmit the audio over Bluetooth to speakers, what would be the best way to do that? Uh, a Raspberry Pi will do the job really well. It has the text-to-speech code using something like Festival or there's other things, and then the audio, you can pipe it out of Bluetooth automatically with yeah. a Raspberry Pi, so okay. that would work really well. Next up, a uh, question refers to data sheet for the uh, LC709203F Adafruit fuel gauge, says that it's for single, so LiPo's I assume cannot be used with battery packs that are in the store, like the 440 micro amp hour or 660, um, sorry, 6600 milliamp hours or 10 amp hours, correct? Or is my interpretation wrong? You can use it with those packs. It, you can't use it with anything that has two packs in series to have a higher voltage. Basically, it has to be no more than 4.2 volts when charged. Okay. Uh, let's see. Do you have a favorite brand or anyone have a favorite brand here of hot air stations? 
The ones in the Adafruit shop are the ones that I've liked the most. We have a low-cost one and a fancy one. Yeah. Those are the two best ones. Next up, uh, question. Uh, Adafruit Friends or Adafruit, can you recommend some affordable types of translucent material to diffuse NeoPixel ring sticks, matrix, etc.? Mm, try the LED acrylic that we have in the shop. I think we sell a one foot by one foot section and then we have a smaller section too. Um, you'll have to laser cut them or you can score and cut them, but nothing diffuses LEDs and looks as good as that LED acrylic. Okay. Uh, will the new time of flight board have a cir have CircuitPython support? At some point. Um, I'm not sure when I will get around to it, but okay. um, I, I think I will be able to port the library over. What is the resolution of the time of flight sensor? Can it do more than one millimeter? I would like better than one millimeter at 25 to 50 millimeters. The software delivers one millimeter, but does the sensor do better? No, I don't even think it does one millimeter accuracy. Um, for sub-precision, you'll have to pay a lot for something different. Okay. Let's see. Uh, oh, any... No, no, that was something. Folks are help, helping each other out with that. Uh, is it possible to run more than one NeoPixel 8 on a processor? Not a, No. It takes over the processor. We use like all timers. Okay. Uh, looks like we got that one. Uh, people have a bunch of NeoPixels. Okay. I think I got through those. Let me see if there's any. Uh, how precise is the distance for the time of flight sensor? You can check the data sheet. I think it's a couple millimeters um, precision. It is um, one or accurate, right? It's it's. It'll give you a number, the number it gives you is in millimeters, um, but I don't, you know, I think it's within like 5%, like 2% two, 2 yeah, or something I mean, of the distance. It, yeah, like just when I was eyeing it and everything, I'm just like, wow, this is really good. It's, I'm, it's, I'm, it's better than a sonar for sure, yeah. right? Temaflight, you're gonna get really good. It's basically LiDAR um, accuracy and precision, but if you want the actual true numbers, uh, check the data sheet. I'm not gonna quote them and get, get them wrong. Okay. Um, for the MagTag, um, we don't ship that with uh, CircuitPython. Is no. There, is there a reason we don't ship it with CircuitPython? Yeah, because ESP support is constantly updating, so just install the latest version. It's very easy to. Okay. All right. Um, I think we're just about how precise this is. Looks like, okay. Folks had the same question on this one. Thanks for writing the updated Numchuck library. You're welcome. Yay. Um, I think we got them all. Oh. Yes. Okay, great. All right, thank you, everybody. That was a that was yeah. We got through them. Those are the questions. I mean, like, you know, for folks who watch the show every week, we folks are answering and helping each other out throughout the show. So thank you for that. Yay. But also, um, thanks for saving your questions. For the end. So let's uh, wrap up the show. Okay. Time of flights to code. Thanks Time so much. Out, including the sensor that we put in. That's right. Uh, special thanks to Takara, who's running stuff behind the scenes in our Adafruit Slack channel. Special thanks to everyone in the chat that was helping each other out tonight. And everyone who showed up in the show and tell looks like an epic show and tell. I can't wait to see that. And uh, if you're here watching this, thanks for sticking with us for the last, you know, decade or so. Or if you're just new, or if you've been with us for the last couple of years. Um, I've said this, we have an all company meeting called Stay of the Fruit that we do every week. And um, you know, there's, there's ups and downs when you run a company and especially over the last 18 months, it's been just really hard for, for all sorts of reasons. Um, but if you are someone who's looking for like little glimmers of hope, like I think a lot of us are, um, things are getting better. Um, we have 100 plus people, we're all vaccinated. Uh, New York City, there's so much stuff going on. The Halloween parade is back. 
we're doing a ton of decorations here. I think October is our month that, uh, you know, we all thought it was going to be over the summer, but... Um, took an extra September. Yeah. <laughs> so took, September was, was kind of like a, yeah, a leak over of the summer. Yeah. We, it was still quite messy. And, uh, you know, I think it's pretty clear how we get out of this. And, and, and us as a company decided to do this. And, um, you know, a lot of us here, we know we're working on something bigger than uh, just, you know, an online website or, you know, even just making electronics. There's something bigger and more special. Um, and I'm glad that you're all part of it and you've been, you've been through it. Um, I feel like I've aged like 50 years, but um, maybe we can uh, chill out over the holidays or something. I don't know. Uh, but anyways, thanks, everybody. Thanks we'll see everybody. everybody next week. That's our Bye. show. This has been an Adafruit production. Here's your moment with Later.